Welcome to The Commentary, a weekly conversation about vision, worship, and life at Grace Presbyterian Church. I'm Mark Bertrand, the pastor of Grace, and my fellow commenter in today's episode is Cameron Brooks. Together, Cameron and I will talk about feeling God's presence, specifically whether there is more to being near God than simply feeling that nearness. We'll talk about how to build that sense of God's presence and what to do when you just don't feel it. So this is a funny start to a new episode of the commentary because I am I'm bringing up some things that I've heard Pastor Mark say multiple times over, I don't know, the course of the last year and something we've never talked about before today. I'm already getting nervous. <laughs> You're a very, you're a very wise person. You're a very gifted preacher. <laughs> yeah, and, I'm really missed. And um, I, you know, I take notes while you preach, and I write down lots, of, lots of interesting points that we don't always get to talk about here. But there was something in particular that that I've been thinking about that you have mentioned, I think, a couple times, and it's it's basically it's about the presence of God. I think a couple times you've said something like, when we experience the Holy Spirit. It's not necessarily an emotional high or that the experience of the spirit is not exactly correlated to our emotions. And, and, yeah. I've, and I just want to say I've, I've always been a part of movements, or Christian denominations or churches, groups that have really thought it is that the emotions and the spirit are very linked together and that the way I feel toward God is some indication of my nearness to him. And I just wanted to ask, can we, can we unpack that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So it is a hobby horse of mine when we talk about the Holy spirit, that at least in the modern church, the Holy spirit, that that's a, a name that we use almost metaphorically to mean something else. We don't mean by Holy spirit, what the Bible means by Holy spirit. We use Holy spirit or spirit to talk about our feelings. So you will often hear people say things like, wow, you know, that, that was an amazing service. Wow, the spirit was really moving in that service. But what you mean by that is you felt, you know, excited about it. Like it, it you know, gave you goosebumps or you yeah. had an emotional reaction to it and you're equating that reaction to the presence of the Holy Spirit, you know, as if that's, the sign. That's how we know that the spirit is present is because we felt a certain way. And then the opposite must be true as well, that if I didn't feel that, if I didn't get goosebumps in church, then the spirit must not have been present. And so I remember growing up hearing people talk this way, you know, and, and describe church services that I had been present for as having been dead and I, that was surprising to me, you know, that they were spiritually dead because I remember, you know, being like my mind was racing at, at, at what was being said in the sermon and trying to understand it all and, and all that. But I realized you know, that person had just kind of been bored by those things. Mm. And so they had felt disengaged and, and, and bored and they interpreted that as the absence of the spirit. And I had felt sort of engaged and, and excited. And, and maybe I thought of it as the presence yeah. of the spirit. But, but when the Bible talks about the spirit and the work of the spirit, it's talking about you know, 
know, more than the emotions. I don't want to say that there's no emotional component because obviously as human beings, we are emotional. God made us this way. And so the emotions are good, even though we often talk about them as if they're only ever bad, right? But the spirit and the presence of God is a much bigger thing than, than how I felt in, in that moment. And so I, I guess the reason I think that's an important point to make is that emotions are easily concocted, right? There are easy ways to get a crowd of people feeling a certain way, but we shouldn't mistake that as, as like the method for bringing the Holy Spirit's presence into a room. You know, the fact that you can get, get our hands together get us standing, you know, on our feet or whatever is, is not uh, the same thing as, as bringing God into the room. Yeah. I think even outside of the church, you hear people talk about spiritual experiences in that kind of a sense. And maybe it's an artistic one or uh, a natural experience, something of wonder and awe. And it was spiritual and and there seems to be this implication that it's yeah. it's connected to this immense feeling of of some sort yeah and i think there there there's some kind of thread there right that that um there's an old word we don't use this as much anymore but i i think there's a a great old word that kind of bridges that and it's it's the word sublime mm-hmm. right that when when people used to write about the sublime you know they were, they were talking about an experience of awe or wonder but it was also connected or tethered to some objective reality you know it's like like i witnessed something in nature that that reinforces this transcendent sense of like my own smallness and the greatness of creation or something and, and that triggers an emotion but it's an objective reality mm-hmm. that that precipitates it right and so I, I want to talk about the experience of the Holy Spirit and the experience of God's presence that way. Hmm. That, that, yeah, there is going to be like a subjective component to it, but it's a subjective component that is tethered to an objective reality. And it's the objective reality that should be the focus, not the subjective experience of it and i think that's the error that we often make is that we chase experience not reality you know it's it's um a common thing that that people will talk about today and it's 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 a virtuous thing to say you know that i i don't i'm not interested in things i'm interested in experiences <laughs> right Who i don't want i don't want to accumulate <laughs> stuff i want to travel the world and, and very and, millennial mindset right you know like that sense but but you hear that and, and you do see the point of it you know like yeah i don't empty materialism that's terrible i, I want to live you know so there's there's a truth or a logic to it but at the same time there, there's a focus on the wrong thing, you know, that, that in a sense, it's um, like, there's a third thing that's not being stated. Like I don't have to live for stuff, but I also don't have to live for experience. I could live for others. I could live for service. I could live for reality, you know, and spend my life focused on that. And so that's kind of the, the, the framework. I think it's helpful to think about our spiritual formation and our spiritual lives in light of that 
what we're doing is not trying to become more spiritual. And we're not looking for ways that we can be more spiritual people. What we're doing in the Christian life is focusing ourselves on God more and more in different ways and in different places. And a byproduct of that often is a deepening spiritual appreciation or even an ecstatic experience of God's presence. But it doesn't come about because we chase the experience. It comes about through the focus on on the objective beauty of God. Yeah. That's, I think that's a really profound distinction because if, if you start with the premise that the spirit of God or the presence of God must give me this emotion, then of course I'm going to pursue scenarios, situations where I feel this certain way and then say, ergo, I just experienced God. And, and that, and if you didn't, that would be a tragedy, you know? Right. So, so maybe the question then is what does it mean to, to experience the presence of God? Because I think by the time we release this episode, we'll have released an episode on sanctification. Right. And we didn't talk too much in that episode about the, the work of the spirit in our lives in specific ways, though that's maybe God's, you know, how God sanctifies us is through the spirit. But well, maybe a good way to think about it is, is like the positive and the negative aspect of living the Christian life. So when we talk about sanctification, I think it's easy to think in terms of the negative, you know, that I'm going to try not to sin as much. Uh-huh. I'm trying to break the law of God, not displease him as much as I do. But if you reflect on it, you recognize that, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. It's really hard to live a life trying to not do something, that, that the best way to not do something is to be doing something else. And so there's a positive practice or set of practices that we devote ourselves to and these spiritual disciplines sanctify. You know, the term that we often use is the ordinary means of grace, you know, which in the Westminster Confession, this is the the preaching of the word, the administration of the sacraments and prayer. So that when I attend to those things, when I, I listen to the preaching of the word and meditate upon it, when I participate in the administration of the sacraments and reflect on the promises that are there. When I commune with God in prayer, those are the, I say ordinary means, the usual ways that the Holy Spirit works in us and brings us more deeply into communion with Christ. And so we get a deeper understanding, a deeper appreciation, a deeper sense of the presence of God. So to, to kind of connect the two thoughts, the, the way to focus on the objective reality is to attend to those ordinary means of grace. And we could even see the sense in which uh, beyond the preaching of the word, the administration of the sacraments and prayer, there are other things God gives us, other ways of kind of pursuing those things that are also means that the Spirit uses. And so I think of all of those, the most ordinary, you know, is probably listening to sermons, you know, and and the one that people think of is surely the least sanctifying (laughs) because (laughs) my mind wanders and, 
and that sort of thing. And, and, uh, the, the, the ordinary is a good word there, you know, because these aren't mysterious things. They're not glorious things. The sermons, uh, communion is as beautiful as it can be. You know, it's nothing like the, the reality of you know, the feast yeah. in the presence of, of God at the end of time. And I think, you know, prayer, most of us in our, our prayer life have experienced more uh, misses than hits. You know, we're constantly asking ourselves, am I doing it right? Like, is this what it's supposed to be? And, and, and so we're talking about very simple things, but it's not the complexity of the method. It's, it's the devotion that's brought to them. You know, the spirit works through them. If, if you go back in time, like that phrase, um, experiencing the presence of God. Um, I don't know if, if it's right to say it originates here, but, but I think it's strongly associated with that book, the uh, practicing the presence of God by brother Lawrence. He was a Carmelite monk in France in the 1600s. And he'd been a soldier in the 30 years war and then had come to faith. And, and in the monastery, he was a, a cook. So he was a, a pretty, you know, uneducated guy with a simple skill set, but he became renowned for the intimacy of his faith, his, his relationship to God. And, you know, he would talk with people. And, and so his, his conversations were written down into this book and I won't do justice to it, but kind of the kernel of his, his wisdom was, a focus on God in all things, the love of God in, in the smallest things, kind of a, a sense of seeing the divine hand in the, the mundane or everyday aspects of life and a, a real focus on vocation, on, on seeing, like we would say, uh, like doing everything unto the glory of God. Yeah. And so there wasn't as great a sense of, aesthetic mysticism, as you would expect. Like these are very sort of ordinary everyday practices. Mm -hmm. And it was through like greater devotion to them, kind of a, a sense of like thinking about God all the time, Yeah, you know, instead of just <laughs> trying to speak to him occasionally, like just doing it more, yeah. you know, like being more focused on, on God and who he is and that sort of thing. And so I think that it's, it's, for people who are struggling to sense the presence of God, let's say, attending to those ordinary means of grace and doing it with, with focus, like seeking God in those things is, is the way of, of attaining to that. And, and I think like, like what we said about assurance of salvation being a nice thing to have, but not of the essence of faith, I would say like that strong sense of the presence of God is a gift. It's not a, like, it's not the essence of salvation. So a person who doesn't sense God's presence at all times, like a person who struggles, like, where is God in my life? That sort of thing. Um, that's not a reason to doubt the reality of God's presence. Like the not feeling him there because we know that, that he is objectively there. And yet it's, it's good. And I think it's, 
it's loving for us to seek to know him and, and seek to see him and to, to, to have him reveal himself to us. It's interesting you just mentioned the emotions again, how there are times where our emotions trick us into be- believing or thinking something that's not true, you know? So right. it, again, it can be dangerous when, when you don't feel God's presence to conclude or to be tempted to conclude that he's just not there where that, yeah. that emphasis on the, the objective, despite my emotions sometimes is really helpful. And I think over the years too, for me, like there is some danger perhaps in seeing God everywhere, that kind of a mentality, you know, like a pantheism, God is, God is everywhere, everything like that's, that's not what we're saying, but a, a healthy and robust sense of God's providence in all of creation has helped me see that God's presence really is everywhere. And it's, it's not just like when I sit down to read the Bible, though that is special revelation, of course. It's not on a, you know, sometimes even we, we think about our church services as like inviting God's presence to like come down as if it wasn't before, you know. Sure. And, and that's, that's clearly not true. And when God's presence permeates his glory, permeates all of creation and sometimes it really is you know our our eyes just don't see that so I, I like that idea of of God's presence in the ordinary and and that devotion to that yeah I think you know pastorally there are two scenarios where you know I feel the desire to to bring comfort to those who are struggling I think one of them is that almost desolate sense of like I, I'm seeking for a sense of God's presence, but I don't feel him here. Mm. And having, you know, been beside people who've gone through that struggle, you know, people who in their faith have experienced, you know, what you might think of like a dry season, a really difficult time like that. It's, it's so easy to say, you know, just because you don't feel it doesn't mean it's not there. And that's true. (laughs) But, but, as a pastor, you really struggle, like how to make that land in a way that it really comes across because the person you're saying it to knows it already and yet doesn't feel it and not feeling it calls into question what we know. It's very hard. You know, uh, Shakespeare says, one of his characters says, I've never known a philosopher who could endure a toothache. And I think (laughs) there's something about that, that experience of absence that really can make even the most knowledgeable of us question everything. And so I think that's an area where, you know, I, I as a pastor wish I had, you know, a, a magic wand to like, like, you know, make the words ring true yeah. because they are true. But in that moment, that's where I really have to, to, to press upon this struggling person, the, the right use of the ordinary means of grace, because I mean, there are no magic formulas, but, but almost inevitably you will see a neglect of those things tied in with that, you know? And it's like, well, yeah, yeah, right. I'm not in scripture and I'm not in prayer, but it's because I don't feel his presence there, you know, but, but it's, it's interconnected. So that's, that's one scenario. The other one is, is maybe the, the other end of the spectrum where you might think of it as like the overassurance, you know, where there's, like you're saying like, like why I feel God in everything, you know, and I, I don't feel any sense of 
you know, insecurity or, or whatever. And, and, you know, often times pastorally, that's, that's a concern only because, you know, it, it's, it's like a hallmark of like an untested faith and, and you, you want to say, right, I get that you don't think you need scripture and prayer and the sacraments in order to be near God, that you can be near God no matter where you are. And, you know, while the rest of us are gathered on Sunday, you could be, you know, doing whatever yeah. and you're experiencing God just as really. And, and it's like, yeah. And, and, you know, I'd, I'd love to believe that that will always be the case, but experience suggests that, that it's not. And so in those cases, I always feel like, you know, I want to urge a, like, a, a get in before the problem and, and, instill those disciplines so that you never experience that that dry season that that sense of of struggle and absence you used the phrase union with christ earlier i think and that's a pretty reformed way of talking about the christian life sanctification and the presence of god that what the spirit does in us is he works works us closer to Christ and, and strengthens that union with him. And maybe that's a more helpful way of thinking. I don't know if it's more helpful, but it is, it's a more Christological way of thinking about the presence of God than just God generally, some sublime experience that I need. But that it is a relationship with a living Jesus. I think where, where it really can be helpful is that if my focus is on identification with Christ, that is, changes how I experience suffering or absence Mm. in a spiritual sense, right? Because most people who are struggling, like suffering has something to do with that. Like the circumstances of life haven't gone well. There's been some kind of a setback. There's been something where they feel like they've, they've like turned to God and he wasn't there. And when we are, identifying with Christ, we interpret those experiences differently, right? We see our suffering in light of his suffering. We see, you know, hardship as something we're called to and something that we're called to endure. And and it does shape the way that we see these things so that we don't, we don't say, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm suffering or things aren't working out or I'm, you know, my, my family isn't, isn't doing what I thought they would do or whatever it is. Uh, that must mean God isn't here. I think by focusing on likeness to Christ, we can like reorient those kinds of experiences a little bit, you know, because that that's again, like the pastoral urge, I think is often to, to, to give people a little shake, you know, and, and say, you know, what did you think following a suffering savior would look like? Yeah. You know, and, and why is it surprising? You know, I, as I said, I mean, I understand. I mean, it, it's, it's, um, if we're not feeling it, it's hard to believe it, even though we know that, that it's not about our feelings. Yeah. But that's why I think it's so important to just beat that, that note that it is not about our feelings and that we, we cannot simply chase that feeling of presence. We have to focus on God himself. That's all the time we have for now. Thanks for listening. 
If you'd like to get a taste of Brother Lawrence's classic, The Practice of the Presence of God, we'll include a link in the show notes. Whether you feel near to God or not, we hope this conversation will give you some direction and how to get there, and we hope you'll join us next time. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed the commentary, you can rate us on your favorite podcast app and share episodes with your friends on social media. You can subscribe to the commentary on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out more about us online, visit graceforsufalls.org.